Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello everyone to this very special episode today. Last week, Job Sharing and Beyond celebrated its 20th episode. And so this week, I've decided I will be looking back at the episodes and play some highlights like a best of compilation. It will also give me a chance to talk more about why my guests focus on the topics, flexible work, fathers in care, support for returning professionals, and transferable skills from unpaid care work, and how these all are linked together. A very recent article in a German newspaper hit some of my thoughts spot on. The writer was suggesting that more male professionals should be working flexibly or part-time. So let's start with flexible work. Thanks to COVID-19, many people would now define flexible work as remote work or work from home. But there are so many other aspects to flexible work, from compressed work weeks, flexible starting and ending time, and part-time. Now, given the name of the show, it is heavily focused on job sharing and top sharing. Here's the definition as it is given by our inaugural guests, Irenke Krone and Nina Prochaska, leading Swiss job sharing experts. The job sharing concept is a very simple concept. It was introduced in the 70s by a US economist. And the definition is to have a full time position which is divided among two or three people who are sharing the job, the position with a common responsibility and common values. There's a difference between job sharing and job splitting because in a job sharing context, you have really a co-responsibility. You're sharing the responsibility for all the tasks. You have also difference between job and top sharing. Top sharing is a job sharing, but with a leading position where you have different people working in a team with you. And it could be also at the very highest level of a company. This type of flexible work sounds perfect for more work-life balance, which often includes unpaid care work or caregiving. But what really is unpaid care work? Is it simply being a babysitter or washing dishes? Or are there actually transferable business skills that can be learned from it? In my conversation with Dr. Stephanie Robin Bayer, she shared more about her definition of parenting. And I think um, to be with your child is uh, very compared to be like a leader. And I don't want to say that um, children and employees are on the same level. That's not my kind of view. My kind of view is that when you are a mom and when you are a dad, you can reflect yourself and you can think about uh, in what kind of things I'm better than before when I didn't have children before. 
and then you can recognize you can be self-confident that you're a mom and then a dad now and then you can communicate that you can live that and you can put it in the work as an employee or a leadership in your company so it's just like to compare what I do in the family, like a mom and a dad, to compare what I do in my work as an um, employee or a leader. And um, everything is based on self-reflection. But why is job sharing so critical for someone who has other commitments outside of work, but still wants to use his or her experience and skills to move up in their career? Maggie Piggott, CBE explains what job sharing for 23 years helped her to do. We did uh, policy jobs, we did operational jobs, we did jobs <clears throat> dealing with uh, judicial appointments, which was very much a, uh, an HR type role. And then, as you mentioned at the beginning, for the last five years, we were um, CEOs of uh, the Judicial Studies Board, which had a budget of 11 million, was responsible for the training of 40,000 judges, had a judicial board, worked directly. Our, our, our ultimate boss was the Lord Chief Justice. Um, we had loads of stakeholders, customers, etc. And in all the roles we did, we worked with ministers, we worked with judges, we worked with the voluntary sector, with the professions. It worked and I have no doubt from other job sharers I have met that job sharing can work in almost every situation, uh, however uh, sort of fast or, or um, tricky it might be. Um, Certainly, we certainly encountered right at the beginning some skepticism when we moved from a legal job to a policy job. We got lots of, uh, oh, you, you couldn't job share my job. I mean, job sharing is wonderful, but you couldn't job share my job. Or how can you job share a policy job? I, I mean, the deadlines and ministers and uh, all that sort of thing. Um, but once you get the people and, and it's, it's set up and, and it's working, it's incredible how all that sort of disappears and uh, it's found to work. And then everybody settles down and really just takes it as normal. According to Esther Himmen and Katharina Winch, co-founders of Performing, Professionals do not know that much about top sharing. So in 2017, I carried out this study among 146 highly qualified managers and experts from project managers to CEOs who work in different companies, positions and functions. So um, the sample consisted of 73 women and 73 men. And what can be interesting, maybe that 84% had an academic degree and 45% were parents. So, and concerning the key findings, so there are at least two key findings, I would say, which are very important also for our work now as performing. Um, first, the interest in top sharing is very high and surprisingly both among, among women and among men. And um, talking about numbers, in average, more than two thirds 
67% were quite highly interested in the idea of sharing a management or expert role. So the highest interest we found in the age cohort 31 to 40, uh, this means that 83% of them were interested in top sharing and this is quite high, isn't it? So the second, at the same time, we learned that the overwhelming number of respondents had never heard of the possibility to work as an expert or manager in a shared role. And in total, 64% of the sample, which applies to 73% of men and 55% of women, surveyed in the study. And now Nina Strassner, LLM, shares what SAP Germany has done with all of their management positions. We divide into job sharing and co-leadership. So job sharing is basically um, everything apart from management. And when we talk about management, we talk about co-leadership. So job sharing is something that is so normal at SAP that we uh, don't even count it anymore in Germany. I get that uh, question very often. So how many job sharing couples do you have and we just don't track them anymore because it's it's so common um, we have um, uh, not only female couples we have also male couples and mixed uh, couples in co-leadership and sometimes the same reasons that managers say hey wow sometimes that's uh, 100 and I don't know, 40% uh, working time. I don't want to work uh, that many hours. I want time for my family. So I want to become a manager or stay a manager or I can't be a manager anymore. I need uh, yeah, a second pair of eyes. So um, it's possible to apply as a couple, like as a twin um, for, for one management position. And you get interviewed, both of them, and if the hiring manager is convinced. And, and uh, we have that quite often. So in Germany, with uh, 20,000, um, 22,000 employees right now, um, we already established 16 co-leadership couples in management, uh, which is which is incredible. This is really, this is a lot. And um, also, not only women, as we would think, also men uh, decide to do that because they want more um, private life and um, yeah, or, or feel like also when you when you think about generations so that uh, someone from an older generation uh, works together with a manager coming like uh, or is new to his managerial role. It's a really nice onboarding situation you're creating because um, maybe I'm not ready on my own, but I'm ready with um, yeah an old warrior um, standing next to me for maybe three months, six months, a year. Um, and then they maybe retire because they say, hey, I want to lay back a bit and someone else wants to start. Um, so there are so many um, possibilities and varieties um, we could cope with. As you have just heard Nina Stressner shared, that job and top sharing is not necessarily only for moms with young children. She talked about intergenerational job and top sharing. And now, co-founder of RollShare, Sophie Smallwood, will give us more examples of what she has encountered, why people do job sharing. Writing a book as a very common use case because it's a strenuous um, project and it requires a lot of focus. You know, when you're trying to write, you really need to be able to get into the flow of things. So writing a book has been a common use case 
we've heard individuals say that they want a, they have a side hustle, they want to start a side business. Um, so that's been a common use case as well. Then there's the whole use case around career portfolios. A number of individuals just want to work in different environments because they actually believe that it keeps them sharper. They believe that if they're exposed to something else in another setting, that it actually gives them an opportunity to be better in the job that they're sharing. So a number of individuals said that they are board members on different businesses, and this allows them to, to do that. And then there's the well-being aspect. So individuals who suffer from mental health issues, depression, um, we've had a few people who've reached out to us about that, a number of individuals who have um, chronic ailments that requires them to sort of take it a bit easier. But again, they've invested a lot in their career. Sarah Horsfall now looks at it from a business perspective, wanting to have full-time coverage as well as other reasons why people job share today. You know, we've got both sides of the equation here. We've got the fact that businesses are built on needing to have people there um, on, on that that continuity, that business model, the profitability. Um, and we can't just forget that that's that exists. At the same time, you know, the world of work and the profile of people coming to work and how people are, you know, staying younger for longer and wanting to stay in the workplace for longer and millennials are coming through with different values because of what they've lived through certainly in the UK and, and the you know the desire for time for multiple portfolio careers even and doing different things outside of work different activities personal development outside of work these are all taking much more of a priority and so embracing and enabling flexible working is moving away from being just about enabling mums um, to return. Yes, that's still a massive proportion of it, but actually the big change is coming because this is across generation and across gender. In my conversation with Professor Anjali Banzal, I found out that job sharing is a way to allow female professionals to return to paid work while still caring for their elderly relatives, which is more the reason that they're doing unpaid care work than looking after young children in India. Interestingly, Anjali mentions a company that uses job sharing in a very different manner. So uh, I'll talk about this organization called Shared Pro. Shared Pro. So it's a Vadodara-based organization. Vadodara is 120 kilometers away from Ahmedabad. So it's a startup. So this startup is doing the matchmaking between the candidates who are interested in the job sharing options and the companies who are willing to hire them. So not necessarily it is serving only women, but it is serving for uh, males as well. So at present, they already uh, have 10 plus organizations which are willing to uh, you know, hire these employees who want to work on job sharing basis. But by the end of this year, they claim to add 20 more um, in their portfolio. Job sharing is often viewed as a new and innovative, flexible work method. My guest, Professor Frank Reed, shared how he wrote about job sharing nearly 40 years ago and why he feels it has not taken off as much as it could have. Yeah, um, I think there's, you know, there's, there's a few reasons for that. I mean, again, when you look at the benefits and costs of job sharing, they're pretty positive for both the employees and the, the employer. And, and for, for society more broadly. 
Um, I think that a couple of the things, one is uh, that there are some, some legislative barriers to job sharing that I think we could correct. Uh, these come from things like payroll taxes, for example, which uh, have a ceiling on the contributions. So, for example, uh, with our Canada Pension Plan and employment insurance contributions, which are both federal programs, the, the employer and the employee contribute up to a ceiling level of, of around 50000 $50, or so, $55,000 per year. Beyond that, you know, in, income above that is not subject to a payroll tax. So what that means is that if you have an employee who is earning $100,000, half of that income is not subject to payroll tax. If you convert that to two employees earning $50,000, then that whole $100,000 is subject to payroll tax. So that those the, the, the fact that those ceilings are based on kind of annual earnings means that the payroll taxes are, you know, you're paying more payroll taxes if you have a job, two people sharing the job than one, one person working full time. And that's something which I think can easily be changed. And I think one of the ways to do that is, well, first of all, the ceilings could just be abolished and, and have lowered the rate of payroll tax, but have it spread over a wider, you know, over all earnings. So at least it's a proportional tax. But uh, if the, we want to retain the ceilings for various reasons, we could do that if we just converted it to a ceiling on hourly earnings. So you would say, for example, if you've got someone earning $100,000 and that's like $50, $50 an hour, you, pay, you would pay tax only on the first $25 per hour. And if it was in hourly rates, then two people who were job sharing would, wouldn't cost the employer any more in payroll taxes than one person who were working full time. So those are sort of things, I mean, we have a several of these kind of payroll taxes with ceilings, you know, there's Canada Pension Plan, Employment Insurance, Workers' Compensation, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and so on. So, you know, together, these, these are about 15% or so of payroll. So that can be a significant factor for the, uh, for employers. Uh, so I think governments could, you know, could reduce one of the barriers that way. I think there's also, to some extent, just like uh, just like we in the past had ideas about gender roles and so on and the division of housework and so on there's just some traditions you know that people kind of value in some ways people who are working full time seem more serious to an employer than people who are working who are job sharing and i think we have to kind of get over those kind of those those biases or those sources of misinformation because when you look at the numbers job shares can be very productive. You know, there's all kinds of advantage to having two employees sharing the jobs. Um, you know, that uh, they, uh, I mean, although again, there's some administrative costs and there may be some fringe benefit costs, but still there are advantages in terms of, of higher productivity. Besides cost issues, some people are not certain how to find the right job sharing partner. JobShare Connect co-founders Jessica Charlson and China Huang Picarella, PhD, share their thoughts about that. The match is really the number one factor of success. And so it's really important to have a good fit for not only the talent um, and making sure that they have a good, that we are matching them appropriately with a JobShare match, but then also that there's a good fit with the company and the company culture. 
So because the match is so important, um, the challenge is, is that it's difficult to get right. And so what we do is that we take, we take our talent through assessments and we provide feedback and coaching um, and give them feedback on the assessment through a report. And then we take them through a chemistry check. And then we also then give them an opportunity to work together. Um, Cause it, I think sometimes if you think that if you like someone, then you think that they'll be able to work together, but that's not always the case. So we take them through an exercise um, that allows them to really see how they work together, how they communicate, and overall, you know, what the end product looks like. And Professor Dr. Eleonora Sui Winkels talks about a unique and very innovative job sharing idea. When she was asked by her university, but was unable to increase the number of her own lecture hours. So I said, but you know what I can what I can offer is to uh, ask one of my students. Maybe she wants to pick up this this chance, and uh, it's a growth opportunity for her. And I can I can guide her. I can supervise her. So what we actually did was that she had 16 appointments of three hours or so, and um, of those I had the, at the at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end a lecture with her together. So instead of 16, I had only three hours at the appointments and she uh she managed all her all the lectures all by herself we always after one lecture we would call and discuss how it went and i could um, i could coach her and tell her what she could do and everything else but i have to say that she was really independent really is job sharing because i had my name on on it um, but still she was the one executing he gained a lot of experience and I was able to fulfill some obligations which were not truly mine, but obviously I'm a team player. So I always try to, to find a way to fix the things. And um, I think that was um, at that time a really great experience. Thank you so much for listening to the special episode. So far, we've talked about all the different aspects of job sharing and then we also heard that parenting can be seen as a form of leadership. In order to not make this episode completely overlong, I decided that I'm actually going to split it in two parts. And so part two, we'll talk about another form of flexible work. And then we will talk about how dads need to get involved in flexible work as well. And my interview partners who will um, tell you much more about this. And then last but certainly not least, my guests who have been talking to me about the support they have created to help professionals returning back to the paid workforce after a long period of absence. So I look forward to um, talking to you in the second part of this special episode. If you would like to listen to the entire episodes of the guess that I have showed various clips today, please head over to our website, which is emilyspath.ca, which is E-M-I-L-Y-S-P-A-T-H dot C-A, where you can find all of the episodes, including the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. 
To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.